You are listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, man, it's good to be in God's house. Man, grab your Bibles. Go to uh, Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to kind of camp out for the most part today, Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we would love to give you one. If you're looking for a Christmas gift for, for a family member, we're going to give you a free gift. That's pretty cool, huh? Um, so if you need a Bible, or if you, because I know that probably some point this, at some point this week, we are going to be with family members that we don't often get to be around, people that maybe don't know Jesus and are struggling and I believe the Word of God has something that inside it that nothing else contains, amen, that can speak to us. And so if you will stop by our connections area, we brought it inside today because the weather was kind of blowing our tent over. Uh, so we're not going to ask you to fill out a, a survey or pass go or do anything to collect a Bible. We just want to put one in your hands because we, we believe God's Word is powerful. Uh, you heard me mention earlier, man, I can't wait for Friday night. I know that I've already had people say, oh, we're already going to be traveling and we can't believe we're not having service Sunday, that kind of stuff. And, but that we kind of chose to kind of do our weekend that weekend uh, next, next Friday. And so Friday night's going to be so much fun. If you miss it, Man, you're going to regret it. I'm sorry. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, but we understand a lot of people are going to be traveling and that kind of stuff. Bring friends, bring family, and just come worship with us. It's going to be an awesome night together. And we'll actually be wrapping up this series. And then on January 1st, we begin a new series called Above and Beyond. And it's going to be more than a series. And we're going to tell you more about that when the new year comes. So I'll just kind of leave that little tease with you. But it's Christmas time. And last week, we kind of posed this question. Like a lot of people think this is the most wonderful time of the year. And so we kind of asked that question, wonderful question mark. And there are some people, you're, you're Christmas crackheads. I mean, that's just kind of the way you are. You just love Christmas. Everything about it is just awesome. I mean, the moment you transition from Halloween, you got the Christmas music playing. If I walked into your house right now and turned the TV on, the Hallmark Channel would be on. And the Christmas movies would be playing them sappy, romantic Christmas movies. I mean, you're all about it. I mean, if you get in your car, you crank it up, the Christmas music is blaring You've had your tree up so, um, so long, if it's, if it's a real tree, like it's about to catch on fire in your house because it's been sitting there. So you just love the Christmas season. And I find that like you're not in the middle. You're either like that or you're kind of on the opposite end and like you just hate it. Uh, there's just like everything about it. Like you're just not into it. You're just ready for it to be over. And you cannot wait till December the 26th comes along and all this stuff will kind of go away. And there's a lot of different reasons that maybe that you, that you don't like it. Maybe it's just because you're a believer and, and you just kind of not so sure about all this consumeristic kind of thing. You think it to be about Jesus. But can I just kind of say this? If that's you, let's be about Jesus all year round. Uh, it's kind of like all of a sudden, oh, oh, this Christmas must be about Jesus. It's supposed to be about Jesus every day. Amen, somebody. Um, you know, and that's just, that's just the reality. It should be about Christmas. And, and the reality is, more than likely, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. <gasps> I know that. So what we do here at our church is we just try to celebrate him every Sunday and lift his name high with everything that we do and celebrate who he is and his goodness. But kind of we're in different camps on Christmas. And, but this is kind of the more I think about it, kind of my take on it is Christmas is almost like an emotional steroid. I, to, I told you this last week that if things are good in your life, then Christmas just seems to make everything a little bit better. If things are going well and you got a good job and your marriage is in a good place and your kids are doing well and think you're healthy and all this kind of stuff, it's like it just when what's happening to you is good, then it feels like Christmas kind of even makes it better. But if you're in a bad place, 
and it's a tough season in your life, it seems like Christmas just exaggerates all those bad feelings you're already feeling. And it's just like a constant reminder of all the things that are missing in your life. Like you got to go look at your sister and she's married and happy and she got kids. And blah, 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 blah. Mom always liked her better anyway. And all those emotions just kind of flood. But so your perspective on Christmas is so often shaped by what's happening around your life. And I've been saying kind of if that's the way we're going to approach Christmas, then our take on this season is going to kind of be all over the place. That, but what if we, we took our attention off what's happening to us and we're, we're reminded of what happened for us? That if we shifted our focus not on what's happening to us, but what, on, what happened for us in, in the fact that God sent his one and only son born of a virgin to live on this life to show us what it meant to do life God's way who went to a thing called the cross to take the penalty of our sin and receive our punishment to erase the things the sin that stood between us and a relationship with holy God so that we could live in a life connected and in fellowship with him sermon over amen let's all go home like if we took our attention off what's happening and were reminded of what happened, then maybe we could awaken the wonder. And we could feel like this time is wonderful, not because of what's happening to us, but because of what happened for us in the person, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so for maybe just an hour and 10 minutes or so that you're in this room for the next few weeks, you're able to shift that focus, to take it off of what's happening to you. Because kind of what's happening to you right now, I know can make so many of us feel hopeless. Like if we really focus in and kind of get consumed with what's happening to many of us, it's really easy to feel hopeless. And this is supposed to be a season of hope. Like, you know, if, if, if you go to the store, majority of the Christmas decorations that you see have that word on it somewhere, right? Hope, hope, hope. It's everywhere. Like you can't get away from that word, but you can't seem to find that feeling or that state or that position. You with me say amen? Like so many people, like, like this is supposed to be a season of hope, but you feel hopeless. And while everybody else is running around, having a good old time, putting up their trees, wrapping their gifts, listening to their Christmas music, watching Chevy Chase, that movie's funny. I don't care who you are. That's hilarious. You, you, you just have this overwhelming sense of, of hopelessness. And it's just like at Christmas, that sense is just growing. And something in your spirit is just aching. And you don't know what to do. And it's real. It's so real. And Christmas doesn't kind of seem to be rescuing you from that feeling of hopelessness that you're in because of a lot of different reasons. And I think there's kind of three things that are going on for in the lives of a lot of people who have this hopeless feeling is you're kind of living in the midst of what you believe are unfulfilled promises. That somewhere along the way, maybe you gave your heart to Christ or you've believed in his word and you felt like God made you a promise and it was a promise that he, that either that came th through his word or something specific that he said to you and now a week went by, and a month went by, and a year went by, and it's almost maybe decades have gone by, and you're still waiting on God to do something in your life, and it seems like he's just never going to come through. And it just feels like you're living in this, in this season of unfulfilled promises, and it's just aching at your heart, and it's pushing you away from hope and toward hopeless. 
And if that weren't bad enough, if, if, you, if it wasn't bad enough that you felt like there was something that was supposed to happen that just isn't happening, you're living in the midst of really challenging circumstances that make it seem like that thing that was supposed to happen is probably never going to happen. Because the, the, the circumstances that you're in make it seem like they're just insurmountable. There's just no way that you can overcome. Like, it's one thing to feel like, you know what, God made me this promise or this thing was supposed to happen in my life and it didn't happen. And, and, but your life be in a place where maybe it's possible, maybe it could be, but there's so many people living in the midst of challenging circumstances that seem to just be creating this wall between where you are and where you thought you would be and where you wanted to be and where you hoped you would be. And you're thinking, there's no way to overcome these things. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too dark. There's these challenging circumstances that are just absolutely, completely impossible to overcome. And so that moves you down into this next level of just broken dreams. And the reason why you feel hopeless is because when you add all this up, I'd be hopeless too. And listen, let me say, there's people around you that are feeling this, and you're looking at them, telling them it's Christmas, they're supposed to be happy, and they just want to punch you in the face. Because this is their reality. And Christmas doesn't make this go away. Come on. This is the reality they're dealing with. And based on what's happening in them, it's frustrating, and it's difficult, and it's hard. Proverbs 13, 12, the first half of that verse says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And hopelessness is, is kind of like a sick feeling, isn't it? It's, it's like your, your spirit just aches. It's a good thing that verse has a second part to it. It says, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. See, if, if you get consumed with what's happening, I understand why you feel hopeless. Because if you're in the li- in, living in the midst of unfulfilled promises and challenging circumstances and broken dreams I I don't blame you (laughs) that emotion is real and I get it but what I want to do once again is maybe trying to turn your attention away from what what is happening and see what happened and if you really understand what happened I believe you can be hopeful I believe today that if you understand what happened at Christmas and if you dive once again deep into that story that you can start making the move from hopeless to hopeful. And to do that, I just want to to look at this story one more time and be reminded of some very important things about God. And if we get back into that story, there's some people that are connected to the Christmas story that oftentimes get overlooked. I know it's about baby Jesus in the manger and all that kind of stuff. And you know, have these Christmas songs, no crying he made. You ever seen a baby born that didn't cry? It was nasty. They ain't a barn. It's after birth. It's, it's, it's ugly. It's not a pretty scene. That was weird. I'm sorry. That, was, that went too far. <laughs> Forgive me. It was not that pretty. But there's these people in the story. Let's move on. There's people in the story that get overlooked. And, and, and there are people that were, I would submit to you, finding themselves in very hopeless circumstances. Like what's happening to them that very first Christmas when, when God makes this decision to bring Jesus into the world, a lot of what they were experiencing at that moment would have made them feel really, really helpless and hopeless. And so the good news is if you're here today, or maybe you know somebody who's feeling hopeless, I would submit to you that that's the best time for God to show up. That in seasons of hopelessness, 
are perhaps the best opportunity to unearth hope and find something beautiful. Because when you dive into this story, one of the first things you learn is this, that God does the impossible through the ordinary at the unexpected. (laughs) And see, these are things that make us feel hopeless. Because we feel like we're facing something impossible. And we feel just so ordinary. And because we're so ordinary, we can't overcome and really experience anything great. And we feel like in my life right now is is the situation and the circumstances for God to show up and, and, and bring hope seems like the most unexpected season for that to happen. You're in a good place. Because that's where these people that were in this story found themselves. And God did something really, really cool. Let's look at it together. Go to Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick up first with verse 5. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Like they had been doing things the right way. They had been following God. They had been pursuing Him. They had been faithful. But, anybody ever had that but? Like I've been doing everything right, been following all that kind of stuff, but there was, it seemed like there's still something missing. Verse 7 but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. So here's this beautiful, faithful couple who have been following God and doing everything right, but they were not able to have a child. And they're frustrated with this and they find themselves in this season. And then this happens. Look at verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear you would have been too. Like you just walk in, you're doing your job, and bang, there's an angel. Okay, that ain't normal. He walks in, and there's an angel of God standing there, and he has a message. Verse 13 says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. I'm saying that to you. Your prayer has been heard even though it's been years since you prayed it, and even though it's been time after time after time that you've prayed it, and time after time after time, God some, for some reason has remained silent, your prayer has been heard. Amen. More than about three people. Amen. Your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. Just because he's silent does not mean he's absent. Your prayer has been heard. There's somebody in the room that just needed that. Like, you can go ahead and go home. Your prayer has been heard. And I know that it's easy to feel like after praying and praying and praying and not seeing anything move or any result, it's so easy to feel like maybe he's not listening. Church, he's listening. Your prayer has been heard. I think Zachariah needed to hear that before he heard anything else. That son, that prayer that you've been praying, decade after decade through tears and frustration, God has heard that prayer. 
your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Now, can you imagine the, the emotions that would have just begin to flood Zechariah? This is something that he had wanted and waited for and longed for for years. And now he just shows up at work, at work one night, and there's an angel. And he says, hey, your prayer's been heard. Your wife's with child. And he's going to give birth to a son, and you're going to call him John. Verse 14, he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Verse 18, if you drop down, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Now, you would think an angel showing up would be enough. But it probably wouldn't be for you and I either. Because, see, at some point, we've just kind of been, we've gotten okay with being hopeless. Right? I mean, if you've prayed for something for so long, and if you've been hopeless for so long, at some point, you just kind of get satisfied with being hopeless. And you just kind of learn how to live hopelessly. And before you know it, that's just kind of become your new normal. Come on. Like it's just been like, this is just kind of how it is. And I've just kind of given up on anything good. And I've given up on it ever coming through. And so I just kind of have gotten settled. Let me tell you something, church. Because of the God we serve, never settle. Because God can always break through the darkness at any moment, at unexpected times, do impossible things in ordinary lives. He can at any moment. And Zachariah's like, um, how can this be? And I think there's a, there's, I almost feel like I hear his voice like, he's scared to believe again. Because we've all had that moment, right, where we've just kind of settled and we've given up and we kind of don't want to let ourselves believe again because we don't want to face the potential of being let down. And some of us, we just want it. We want to stay hopeless because we're afraid that if we start moving toward hope again, then the rug's going to be pulled out from under us. We're going to come crashing down and just experience disappointment one more time. If that's you, can I just ask you to do something for me? Have the courage to step toward hope today because God can do something impossible in your ordinary life at even this unexpected moment. That's who he is. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. He says, believe me, this is going to happen. And can you imagine what must have flood his emotions and his spirit in that moment? And he, can you imagine, he goes home and finds out over time, Elizabeth is pregnant. And she would eventually give birth to a son named John who would become John the Baptist and pave the way for Jesus' ministry and usher in what Jesus would do on this earth. See, when what happened on that night, on that evening, in that moment to Zechariah happened in the midst of some really hopeless happenings in his life. But what happened was God reminded him that he does the impossible through the ordinary at the unexpected, and that's why we can have hope. And it continued on. I think it spills over into Mary's story. Verse 26 
It says, in the sixth month of, Ma- of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel, of the, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will not end. So here we go. Here's another young girl betrothed, walking through her engagement period, heading into marriage. And all of a sudden, one night, this angel breaks through and says, hey, I'm Gabriel, you're highly favored with God, and you're about to conceive a son through the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to give birth to him, and he's going to be the Savior of the world. Now, girls, when you were 16, how would you take this news? Okay. Like most are, wait a minute. And so look at Mary's response. So I think this is a very legitimate question. Verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. I, can, I gotta believe there was some feelings of anxiousness that she had to feel in this moment. And she's like, how, how, how will this be? And see, I think there's gonna come a moment in the midst of your hopelessness, that God wants to speak down and say something and put some truth in your life to move you toward hope, and your natural response is going to be is, how will this be? Have you seen how messed up my life is? How will this be? Oh, my marriage is going to make it? Have you seen how broken it is? My health is going to be okay? Have you seen my last doctor's report? My kids are going to grow up and find Jesus. Have you seen how crazy they are? How can this be? See, when, when we're caught up in what's happening to us, it will, it will make you hopeless. And, but look, at, I love the angel's response to Mary's question because I think it's the same response that he wants to give you if you're asking that, how will this be question. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Then I love verse, this next verse, check it out. says, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. Why should you have hope? Because nothing God has ever said will not come true. Because everything He's ever said, no matter how far away it seems, how impossible it seems to to come about, how many obstacles stand between you and its completion, no word from God will ever fail. If He said it, He's going to do it. It may not be when you want it. It may not be in the timetable that you think is best. 
and our impatience, we may want to bail out and not believe in it, but no word from God will ever fail because, see, at Christmas we're reminded God makes and keeps promises. God makes and keeps promises, and because he does, hope is an endless possibility. Hope is an endless possibility. That means no matter how hopeless you feel as you sit in this room, hope is possible. And you might not have believed that before you walked in, and you might not even believe it right now while I'm saying this to you, but I need you to understand that if you take your eyes off of what's happening and be reminded about the power of what happened, you'll see that hope is an endless possibility. Hope. Hope is a commodity only available from God that you and I cannot live without. Look at what Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Chapter 8, verse 24. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. See, there's so many of us that the reason why we feel hopeless is because we're in a waiting season. Can I just say to you that waiting seasons are not wasted seasons? Waiting seasons are not wasted seasons. See, most of us have gotten in our mind that we'll find hope on the other side of the wait. That's not how it works. It doesn't have to work that way. That, you know what, I'll be hopeful when it comes through. God, you do what you're supposed to do, and we're going to have hope all day long. But what Paul is saying here is that waiting seasons aren't wasted seasons, and the God you serve has the ability to infuse you with a hope that can withstand no matter what the season is you're walking through. That's what hope is. Romans chapter 5 says, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope is an endless possibility. Hope. Like if you get bogged down and focused and consumed by what's happening to you with the unfulfilled promises and the challenging circumstances and and the broken dreams, then yeah, you're going to feel hopeless. But if you turn your eyes and give your attention to what happened and be reminded of all the amazing things that lie within this Christmas story, you can have hope. And so I've been thinking, I'm throwing that word around and I'm just going to, I'm not going to just assume that you kind of know what it means and what it is. And so I've just been wrestling with this concept of hope over the last so, several weeks. And God's kind of given me some things I just want to share with you about what hope is. First thing is this. Hope is continuing to believe when it doesn't make sense. Like if you're waiting for God to make sense, <laughs> you've been waiting a long time. Because God rarely makes sense. Amen, somebody? Like his timing doesn't make sense. His methods doesn't make sense. Like God just doesn't make sense. Hope is continuing to believe when it doesn't make sense. You think this made sense for Mary? You think when she went to Joseph and said, hey, I'm pregnant by God, he was like, awesome. (laughs) Or you don't think that was girls going around saying, y'all hear Mary say she's pregnant by God. You believe her. (laughs) That didn't make sense. I'm thinking like, God, this doesn't make sense. Can't you find another way that doesn't make me look the way I'm probably going to look if I go and start telling people all these things? Hope is continuing to believe 
when it doesn't make sense. You can't wait for it makes sense to cause you to believe. You have to believe, even when it doesn't make sense. I think of every good thing that's come about in my life, driven by hope, I had to believe when it didn't make sense. I had to believe that God was going to build this church and use it for good things when the only person I was pretty sure was going to be with me was my wife. There's been so many times, and you could too, that, that what you were forced to believe or what God was calling you to believe in that moment did not make sense. But hope is choosing to believe, continuing to believe, even when it doesn't make sense. Hope is rooted in what God has said, not what we see. Hope is rooted in what God has said, not what we see. I say this a lot, and I know you can fight, but life, culture, the world paints an inaccurate portrait of who God is. And the only way to recalibrate that image is to know and believe and build your life on his word. So if you're looking for a New Year's resolution to actually keep this year, make a renewed commitment to dive into the word of God like you never have before. You don't know how desperately you need to be in his word. Amen, somebody. It's rooted in what God has said, not what we see. See, hope is driven by the supernatural, but it's drained by the natural. Our natural experiences just seek to drain hope right out of us, but it's driven by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit working in and through and around us that calls us to trust Him in times that doesn't make sense. Hope is fulfilled through faithfulness. Hope is fulfilled through faithfulness through his faithfulness to be true to who he is and what he said, and through our faithfulness to trust him and remain obedient. I feel like there's been many a times in my life that I've delayed what God wanted for me because I got impatient and I tried to take it into my own hands, or because God told me to do something that I didn't like and I refused to be obedient to it. Hope is fulfilled through faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 6 we start with verse 17. It says, Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. And listen to this, verse 18. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Now we need to notice the wording that the writer of Hebrews says there. We have fled to take hold of the hope. See, many of y'all waiting for hope to fall out of the sky and hit you in the face. Like, oh, I just, guys, give me some hope. Like, it's just gonna come out of nowhere. And you notice that Hebrews is saying this. In other words, you've got to make the conscious decision to step out of your hopelessness and start stepping toward hope. Like, we get, you can't keep wallowing in the hopelessness. Hope is out there. God has made it clear. He's made it possible through everything that he's done through Jesus Christ. And you can keep wallowing in and, and just rolling around in your hopelessness. So you can say, you know what, because who he is, I'm going to step forward and I'm going to flee toward hope and take hold of it. And I just want to give you some tangible ways to do that. Number one is this. Operate from what you know, not how you feel. Operate from what you know, not how you feel. And let me just go ahead and say, what you feel is what you feel. And you know, we, we have this culture like, you shouldn't feel that way. Well, I do. Amen? Like, we get in this place and we're feeling a certain way. People are like, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Well, I, that's how I feel. And like, because a lot of times we can't really control how we feel a lot, right? But we can control whether or not how we feel controls us. 
And you may feel that way, but you don't have to let those feelings and no emotions control you. I understand, you can feel hopeless today, you can have those emotions, and you can feel sad, and there's people in the room that, like, you need to be grieving, because there's things that have happened in your life that you need to process through. You've lost people that you love, things bad have happened, and you're dealing with it, and you're processing it. How, feel, you, you can't always control how you feel, but you can't let those feelings control you. The Holy Spirit's more powerful in that church, and He can drive you above those emotions and those feelings towards a full, immediate, complete obedience to what He wants for you. Operate on from what you know, not how you feel. Second thing is this, pray with boldness. Continue to pray with boldness. See, the further away it seems, the bigger your prayers need to become. And see, a lot of times we tend to do the opposite, right? The further away it seems, the smaller it gets. And so the smaller our prayers become, the further away it seems, the bigger your prayers need to become. And finally, live content and expectant. You can do both. Like if you're in that waiting season, be content in that place. And if you feel like something's missing and something, but something's coming, find a way to live content yet expectant for God to do more and deliver more and show more. The final verse in that passage in Hebrews chapter 6 that I want to read to you is verse 19. It says, we have this hope. We have it. We possess it. It's ours. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul to keep us grounded and rooted firm and secure I know what's happening around you right now may make you feel hopeless but what happened for you in Jesus Christ made hope possible for you and so what I want to challenge you to do if you're hopeless today and you're stuck in that spot will you flee towards hope Would you make a decision right now to start stepping towards hope rooted in not what's happening to you, but what happened for you? Or maybe you know somebody and that's their situation. Today you got an opportunity to move towards hope. And so we're going to spend some time worshiping and allowing God just to stir in your heart and mind. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, stand with me. Just reverently, quietly rise to your feet. And I'm going to pray for us and then the band's going to lead us in a time of worship. And can I ask you to do something? I know this is hard. But I want, I want you to do something for me. If you're feeling hopeless today, I want you to symbolically step toward hope by slipping out of your chair and walking to this platform and kneeling before your Heavenly Father and allowing Him just to minister to your heart. I know that seems kind of old school, but I, like, I'd, I can just do that here. But I, I want, It's just a gesture. And say, you know what? I'm stepping out of my hopeless feelings. I'm stepping out of the hopeless things that are happening to me. And I'm moving toward the hopeful things that happen for me in Jesus. So as we worship and as we sing today, if that's you and you feel led to do that, will you just step towards hope as we worship him today? Father, thank you. That hopelessness is not a place we have to stay. That God, in, in Christmas and in that story, we got reminded that hope is an endless possibility. Because you do the impossible through the ordinary at the unexpected that you make and keep promises. And God, I pray as we worship you today that people in this room, all across this room would start stepping towards the hope that they have in you and will respond to whatever you're saying to them in their lives and in their hearts and minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.